The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. back everybody to another episode of benched with bubba this will be episode 537 it's a special series we are beginning on the bench with bubba podcast previewing each and every one of the 30 mlb teams for your fantasy baseball purposes trying to match up each team with someone that is either a fan or knowledgeable of the team and uh we're gonna kick this off with the minnesota twins there's no method of the madness on the order of the teams it's just kind of first come first serve and the twins check the box first they have a lot of fun names to talk about too in order to break them all down, got a good friend of the show, a good friend of mine. Got to luckily meet him in Arizona this year. Awesome guy on the mic and in person. You can find him on Twitter at dmendy 2 David Mendelson, how we doing, my friend? Bubba, what's up, man? Not much, back, not Pumped much. to be back on the show with you. Bench with Bubba, yeah. the standard for podcasts, for shows. And uh, it's going to be fun because I may rant about some of the, to be honest, a lot of twins just because... I'm an in-the-closet Twins fan, uh, which just means that I'm not really public with my fandom about it, but they've been hurting me for so long. It's just been a love-hate relationship. I get it, man. I get it. Uh, like on the football side of it, I'm a Dolphins fan, so trust me, I have a very love-hate relationship with the Dolphins every year where they, they get your hopes up and they shoot you down and you're just wondering, what are we doing here in mediocrity? Mm-hmm. The Twins kind of sum that up a little bit. I can, I can see how, how you're feeling about that. So, you know, when I walk around here, it's like all Niners fans and stuff. So I just kind of walk around as a closeted Dolphins fan. And then, yeah. you know, they actually get to play on Sunday and they give me false hope like they do all the time. Like, yeah, I'm used to it. I'm used to it. Um, before we get into the Twins, though, you have a slew of stuff you're always doing. You're a busy, busy man. So why don't you plug away everything? You got the Triple Play Boys. You guys have the Triple Play House in Arizona. Like, you got all kinds of stuff going on. Coined by you. Uh, that was uh, stuck for the whole weekend. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at dmendio 2 And... Number one is always going to be Triple Play Fantasy, YouTube channel, podcasts, the Triple Play Fantasy Baseball podcast. Every single week we record that. 
I also do football content as well. A bunch of my bets are over on the 33rd team. I do uh, football and baseball for fantasy pros and uh, my baseball rankings will be on fan tracks this year. I don't know how much writing I'm going to be doing. I got a lot of personal stuff in my life coming up that uh, my writing may be on hold for a little bit, but I will be doing video content rankings and stuff all throughout. Uh, but yeah, just love fantasy baseball. So just pumped to be talking about it now that we're in January and I feel like draft season's like kicking up. It's kicking up in a big, big way. That's kind of why I wanted to do these series in January so everyone can really get going. And because, you know, we, we know a lot of the big names. We're going to cover them, obviously, with these teams. But there's a lot of like the later round guys that might actually be sneakier than we think. Maybe they're just kind of a waste of time. Who knows? And that's kind of the fun of getting into the weeds and all this stuff. But um, let's kick it off. You know, we're gonna, you, know, you can go to Roster Resource for those that are curious to go check those out. There's a lot of other assets, like great websites for that. Um, I reference an FPC DC ADP. We can reference a lot of other things. The ADP, I guess, isn't as important as much as is this guy even worth our time for the most part. And why not start it off with one of the biggest question marks worth our time in all of baseball? <laughs> the uber talented, always injured Byron Buxton, my friend. Like he went full William Ace Hazen a couple of years ago, started selling out for power, then didn't run at all. Then he gets hurt. But, you know, in 92 games, it's 28 jacks. Um, the talent's ridiculous. We say it every single season with Byron Buxton. It's just a matter of going to play. Uh, ADP is around 115-ish right now. How are you looking at a guy like Byron Buxton? Because it's like it's a gigantic risk, but we know the reward's great if it ever panned out. Yeah, I mean, that's it. It's it's the same story with him every year. Uh, it's like you get him for a full season, and these are his 162-game numbers. Oh, if you take off 20 games and you assume for injury, these are still his numbers. But throw out the 2015 season when he was called up, throw out the 2020 season because it was shortened. He still missed a lot of time in both those seasons with injuries, granted. But over across the, the other six seasons he's played, he's an average 83 games. So you're getting about half a season every single year he's been in the big leagues for a full season. And he's only played over 100 games once. So fool me once, shame on me. Fool me twice, shame on you. If you drafted him, this has literally been the same story. He's most likely not going to play 100 games. Believe it or not, I was actually shocked that he's already 29 years old. I, I didn't realize he already had gotten to that point. I thought he was still like 24, 25, maybe 26. But um, this is somebody that you should probably, if you're going to draft him, bank on him playing somewhere between 70 to 90 games. And if he gets more than that, great. But if you draft him, you have to realize, especially at a thin position like outfield this year, that you have to make sure that you get more outfielders later on and be aggressive with getting guys that could give replacement production. Cause this is something every year that you just, you see it and it, it's like clockwork. So I, I can't me personally, I, I took him two leagues last year and both those leagues, he killed me. I probably am not doing it again. Yeah. It's a really tricky one because this, this sky is the limit, honestly, for this kid. Yep. He just can't do it. So it's like, okay, like you mentioned the part where you have to take more outfielders. So it definitely changes your draft strategy. And it's something all of our shows talk about always like preparing for the draft, draft strategy, roster construction. And he's a big factor of your roster construction if you know you're taking him. And it's one of those, you know, people talk about replacement values. It's okay. So I, if I have him, who am I filling in for the other like 60 games? How does that equate to the total stat line? That's a question. But then you have to like literally keep a guy on your roster the whole time for that. And so literally you're you're dedicating two roster spots essentially to one player potentially. And that's uh that could be a little stressful as well. So yeah, I think we're on the same page on Buxton. You know, personally, as a, just a baseball fan, I'd love for him to play mm -hmm. a full season and like let's just really see what this kid has. But it's just, it's man, it's just tough, tough to see. It is. Uh, let's go to Carlos Correa. Uh, he was a twin, then he was a giant, then he was a Met. Now he's a twin again. 
Um, and he's got a, sh- a shorter deal, but he's still getting paid. So good for him. Um, in his first year with the Twins last year, 22 homers, uh, hit 291. He had some counting stats that were less than desirable. I don't think people realize that in 136 games, 70 runs scored and 64 RBIs. That kind of stood out to me when looking at him about a week ago. So what's your thoughts on Cray? He's got his money. He's back. You know, there's the ankle injury. That's not an ankle injury. That might be an ankle injury. Um, how, how do you feel on Correa this year who you're not paying a premium for at shortstop? He's got the most famous lower leg in baseball right now. Yep. Uh, but if this isn't the definition of being a Twins fan, honestly, it's like the Mets say nope. The Giants say nope. Twins are like, up. Oh, we're going to overlook it. We're just going to sign you anyway for six years. This is this is what they do. They get you excited because they say they're going to spend money and they're going to bring in people, but they bring in the people you don't want. They bring in, you know, the the like Tyler Mollies and Sonny Grays and uh, it's just it's so frustrating. This is another example of it. But in terms of draft value for Correa, you, like you mentioned, you're getting tremendous value with him. He's the 15th shortstop going off the board. And yes, maybe this doesn't look the same in six years, but for this year, for redraft purposes, he's played in 136 or more games in back to back years. He knows the ballpark well. He knows the team well. He should hit somewhere in the middle of the lineup. And you, you got a guy like Luis Arise who led the the majors in batting or led the American league in batting average last year uh, at the top. I do think there is a better season for him coming this year. Uh, so he'll play in enough games, be able to produce in a decent lineup and the value, I think being the biggest factor, the 15th shortstop going off the board at pick 122. If you wait on shortstop, he's one of the perfect guys to wait for. Yeah. I think it's a great call just because, and you hit something there. It's we're worried about this year, not six years from now. The contract mm-hmm. doesn't mean anything to us in fantasy. I think we all kind of get caught up in that as you know, they hear the injury or that injury for a long-term deal is way more important than us playing this season. And since he's had the surgery on that ankle, he's played, like you mentioned, 148, 136 games. So he's played a lot of games since he's had that mm-hmm. injury. So I'm with you on this. Like I've never been the, like the biggest Korea fan, but all things considered for the price tag, it's definitely intriguing. wish the counting stats would come up. Maybe they will this year. Um, it's still like we make fun of the twins. We'll talk about the rest of their roster here, but their offense is at least, you know, decent. Like they'll put mm-hmm. up runs. So that makes Korea definitely viable in that lineup. Speaking of the middle of that lineup, potentially is Jose Miranda, uh, first base, third base eligible in your NFBC platforms. He was a, a big hyped up guy last season in draft, King, uh, draft champions seasons because of the power he so, uh, show, showcased the year before in the minors. We saw a little bit of it last year, but he's got a great hit tool. Like we've we got to be really happy with what he's doing at the plate. What are we expecting from Miranda this year? Because some people it's like you're all in or you're all out on a guy like Jose Miranda. Count me in as one of the all in crowd. He's probably my favorite player, both pitcher and hitter wise for this team that I will be drafting a lot of in 2023. He qualifies first as a third baseman, which we know is a very premium position. So you can get that positional flexibility with him. He hit 251 in the first half, but 280 in the second half in June and July hit over 300. And after May didn't have a month where he hit below 259 in a month. Uh, He's an amazing contact hitter. Uh, I believe struck out sub 20% in his rookie season. And this is just somebody he's really starting to grow as a hitter. He's roster resource has him hitting sixth. So he, I do think this will be somebody that's going to be hitting three, four or five sooner rather than later in this twins lineup. I think he'll be at the right at the heart of the order. And if you listen to bench with Bubba, you know, Toby loves those O2 stats. Those, what are they doing? O2 counts. Yeah. Well, in O2 counts last year, he was a 241 hitter, which is absolutely nuts in an O2 count to be anything close to 241. Uh, so he really sees the ball well, especially with two strikes. 
And uh, he, if you look at his track record in the minor leagues, a lot of it carries over. He had 30 home run power the year before he was called up. Steamer right now, I think, projects him around 269 batting average, 20 home runs. So you will take that, especially where he's going right now in drafts right around pick 160. And I, I, there's just nothing to me that sticks out as something that could be a, a negative for drafting him right now. Yep, that's the thing is he seems like a a safe safe option with a big ceiling because I think mm-hmm. I'm waiting to see that power get tapped into we saw in the minors. And I think if he could take that step, it'd be tremendous. Uh, I, I like the adjustments he made in the second half last year, just the overall hit tool. He had that stretch for like a month and a half. It felt like he was just in fuego, which which was really good to see. He kind of hit for less power but more average, but the hard hit rate was still really good. So mm-hmm. it's just like a few little tweaks there, there, and it, it could be really interesting with Jose Miranda. So very fun pick, corner infield, first base, third base guy, like quite a bit as well. Uh, Jorge Polanco. Now this is a conundrum, and you're not paying for it anymore because last year you paid the price because he had a 2021 with 33 homers and 11 steals. Never been the biggest of power guys, but we, it's it's at least slowly developed over time. Um, the steals are really not, it's only a second double digit steal season too, but he only had 235 last year. That's like my biggest concern out of the lack of power and uh, and stolen bases. Walked a ton though, so maybe it's a different approach to the plate. I don't know. So what's your thoughts on Jorge Polanco? Because if we can even get like a middle ground between last year and 2021, to me, he's a great value at this price. But can we get that's the question. Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, he's going as the 10th second baseman off the board right now. And you were talking about like uh, two years ago, we paid the premium 33 homers and 11 stolen bases. And people were just, you know, banking him in for some regression, but not 16 homers and three stolen bases regression. Keep in mind, he did play uh, 40 something less games last year. But this is somewhat, I expect to kind of settle somewhat in the middle. I think he's a 20 homer, 10 stolen base player, especially with the expected rise of stolen bases this year. Uh, he is one of the better hitters in terms of just contact ability in the Twins lineup. And if he plays 130 games, I think he will give you that 2010 uh, type of line. Uh, I, I think he's somebody that's a solid player. He's not going to be a, a league winner for you, but at a premium position like second base where there's a lot of uncertainty going, I do think the the batting average, maybe you can't expect him to, to be a 270, 280 hitter, but maybe he hits 250, 260 with those 20 and 10. So I like him. I'm not jumping up like through the roof to try to draft him, but if he falls to me and kind of with depending how I construct my roster, I definitely have no problem drafting him. Uh, let's just have some fun here um, when we compare a guy like Jorge Polanco because he is intriguing. And you mentioned mm-hmm. he's the 10th second baseman off the board. Let's compare him to, well, the fun one's always Jonathan India. Are you buying in <laughs> India or would you like a Polanco? I mean, I think is India like 15th, the 15th second baseman he's off the board? 14th now. He's 14th. moved up a little bit. Yeah. But yeah, he's like about 18 picks later. I think I like India's upside a little bit more. Yeah. I think last year he was hurt, and I think he's going to bounce back in a major way this year. And the last one I'll ask you because there's a bunch of them here, but you could have Polanco at uh, around pick 175, or you can wait and get either Gene Segura or Colton Wong at 230 and 239. The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language 
in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. That's that's interesting. Um, Colton Wong, I do like him. I don't find myself drafting too much of him. Gene Segura, I think, is one of the more undervalued players in baseball. He produces and not a lot of people talking about him. I probably could see myself waiting more for one of those guys, especially with that gap of ADP. Uh, again, nothing wrong with Polanco, but when you put those type of other players you can get after him, that probably is going to be the way I would probably construct more of my rosters. Yeah, that's why it's a, it's an interesting dilemma with Polanco. It's if we got, if we knew we were getting the power guy, it'd yep. be a big difference. But I don't like. I, I think your your line of twenty and ten with like a two sixty is very good, very reasonable. But man, like we can get similar stuff at a later date potentially, Agreed. and that that that's where it gets interesting. Uh, you mentioned Luis Arias earlier. He's uh, an on base machine because he hits over three hundred and doesn't strike out at all. He doesn't have a lot of power though or speed. Like there's not a lot else he offers to the table, yeah. but batting average and runs scored. He's going around pick 213, 214. Like he's a really good, probably real life player, but and, and he's first base too, which yeah. makes it really, really tricky. So how are you looking at a guy like Luis Arias for fantasy purposes? I think it's it's he's the perfect player if you're waiting on batting average. Like if you take guys early in your draft, you're you're chasing power, you're chasing speed, and you're not necessarily looking at batting average. He's someone you can definitely make sure you target. Uh, and you might have to jump like a round or two for because I'm sure a lot of people will have the same thought. Like let me help improve my batting average. I'll target Luis Arise around pick 200. I mean, that's what he is pretty much. Empty batting average. You mentioned only eight home runs. If you play in points leagues, he's a, a 10% K rate or less every single season. So he always makes a ton of contact. He'll score near 100 runs at 88 last year. Top of the Twins lineup. Plays corner infield but at that first base eligible position. And he might even pick up more eligibility. You never know. The Twins will move him around a lot this year with terming with injuries. So He's definitely a very valuable piece for your fantasy team in terms of batting average, in terms of positional flexibility, and in terms of run scoring. Again, he's not one of those flashy players, but I think he's one of those guys you're happy you draft him and he's on your team at the end of the day. Yeah, and I think um, one thing with with Arise, it's, I always screw up pronouncing his name, but <laughs> um, he's at least first base, second base. So you're getting corner and middle. So I guess like, and this is always kind of the answer that people hate so much. I think I like him more almost in a um, like a, a, a DC, a draft and hold format, where I can yeah. use that flexibility more. Where like a redraft league, he's, it just feels like it's so much. It's empty batting average, and that's yeah. it's so tough, tough to go with there. But the dude's great, and he also might get traded to the Marlins. So we'll see. How that goes. Good, yeah, he's, he's rumored in that. Field. If the Twins trade for Pablo Lopez, I will yeah. throw a tirade because we already know how documented he is outside of Marlins mm -hmm. Park. It would be such a twins move to think yep. he's the answer, and then he gets like a four or five ERA with the twins and just another twins pitcher. It, it's literally like clockwork. Yep, rinse and repeat. Um, they did add a new catcher this year, though, in mm -hmm. Christian Vasquez. I was kind of surprised this is Vasquez's landing spot. It's a good spot, he's a good defensive catcher. You got some pitchers that need some, um, you know, a, a smart mind behind the, the dish, probably a much better, um, 
real life play for the Twins, but there are a few upsides with him behind the the, the dish for catcher. So what's your thoughts on Vasquez fantasy wise this year? I like him as a catcher to target if you're in a two catcher league. Uh, I have him ranked as just a, a back end, or I should say high end catcher two. I don't really have him as a catcher one if you're in like a 12 team league. He, he's somebody that is pretty decent defensive numbers and should be the twin starting catcher. And that's valuable. They do like Ryan Jeffers a lot. So Ryan Jeffers will be mixed in. But we've seen twins catchers. We saw it with Mitch Garver before. Uh, they're not afraid to, if there's, if one of these two guys separates themselves to, especially with the, the stick to really put themselves in the lineup and put it consistently. Vasquez is a, a decent hitting catcher. He's put up decent numbers the last couple seasons. Uh, he's somebody again, like I'm not making a priority to draft, but if you wait on catcher, he's not bad to, as a, a high end second catcher, I would pair just, I'm not drafting him in a one catcher league and, and thinking I want anything special. I 100% agree with you. In a two-catcher league, if you kind of punt catching, he's not bad because at worst, like you mentioned, he'll give you batting average, which is very yeah. hard to find in the catcher's position. So uh, he's got that going, a little bit of pop. So, yeah, I don't hate it at all. You mentioned Ryan Jeffers. Like, just a quick quick thought on this. Like, people are really bummed with Vasquez because we saw, like, decent stuff from Jeffers recently. So it's kind of like, okay, this might be his first year to get, like, a, you know, a strong side platoon or something mm-hmm. at the position. Is he still viable in any formats? Is he more for waiver wire fodder, hoping he maybe gets the role sometime? Waiver wire. The Twins see him every day, and it's it's like not even nothing using stats or anything, but if your own organization that sees you every single day and if they really thought that you were going to win the job, why would they acquire someone like Christian Vasquez, who is going to take over the starting role? There must be something that we're not seeing that they see, but they don't don't trust him to be the starting catcher, so I'm not going to be trusting him on any of my teams. Great point. Uh, the last main hitter we'll dig into. I have a couple more quick hitters coming up here, but Nick Gordon. I wanted to mention him because it's an oh so popular name. Um, mm-hmm. I loved him off the waiver wire all over the place last year. I was a big fan, and he stopped platooning as often, which was good to see. Um, he got second base outfit eligibility, which is nice. Also, the tw- he's got some power and some speed. We we know what he has. Problem is the Twins keep bringing in more and more bats. Yeah. So how are we assessing Nick Gordon, who like maybe a month or two ago was like, sweet, he's locked in, we're going to get some action. And now it's kind of like getting crowded in Minnesota. Yeah, I mean, I'm happy on roster resource they have him starting, which is a big deal because that wasn't the case last year. Uh, He does, you did mention he can play a couple different positions. So with injuries, he could technically plug in a lot of different places here for them. Uh, But he really improved last year. I mean, you look at his overall line, nine homers, 50 RBIs, 272 batting average. In 138 games, it's it's decently solid for a 281 draft price, and he'll definitely have to get better against lefties. A 200 batting average and 91 plate appearances last year, but really in the second half last year, post All Star break, 280 batting average, five homers, and 37 RBIs. So he had 37 of his 50 RBIs post All Star break, and three less strikeouts despite 19 more plate appearances in the second half. Things really started to click for him. And I do think he's someone that's continually going to be improving. He's somebody that's not like a, a sexy name that or name that people are talking about a lot. But again, playing multi a multi position guy that really looked like he kind of got locked in in the second half. I, I do like him as a depth piece for your team. Yeah, I'm with you. I wish he would be locked into a better role. But yeah, a lot of pieces here. Let's talk about some of those pieces. Um, the Twins acquired Joey Gallo. <laughs> Twins. <laughs> Um, I, I, I literally, when I saw that come through like a few weeks back, I'm like, why, why? Cause I'll, I guess I'll just lump this together. You have Joey Gallo in the outfield. 
You still have Max, Max Kepler, who we know what he is. He's almost like a Joey Gallo light, just minus the power. Like he's got power, not that much power, but OBP skills, bad numbers a little better. Um, he's remembered to get traded, though, so Kepler is interesting. Mm-hmm. And then you still have Alex Kirilov, who apparently is healthy as of now. We'll see, but he can play first base. He can play the outfield. So you have those three pieces in Gallo, Kepler, and Kirilov. And we're, we're entering draft season. How would you kind of dig into those three if you're approaching them in a draft? Just avoid them all, or do you have targets? It's funny because they're all going within 20 picks of each other, too. Yeah. Uh, and so that's just kind of speaks to just kind of where this team is at in terms of just trying to uh, pile a bunch of pieces and see what sticks. Joey Gallo, I know he played a little bit better outside when he got out of New York, but to me, there are certain players that age well and certain that don't. And Joey Gallo is an example of someone with already, he had a high strikeout, uh, high power upside when he was with Texas. And now it's looking like more just high strikeout stuff as he's getting older. Um, I will not be drafting any Joey Gallo on any of my teams, even though the ADP right now isn't bad at 431. Alex Kirilov was one of my favorite players last year to try to target, but he's had so many wrist problems and he did just get surgery again. And I think he actually had like a special surgery that not many are done. I have to look up what the exact name of it was, but uh, there's promise that he could come back, but I'm not really interested at this point just because I think he's had so much work done on that wrist that I don't think he'll stay healthy. At the end of the day, Max Kepler going the latest of the three is probably where I would take the, the chance of drafting any of these three guys. We did see him get 36 home runs and, and 90 RBIs in 2019. But the next three years combined, he had 37 home runs. So one home run more over the next three seasons. But you look kind of under the hood, the ball still being hit extremely hard at uh, top 10 percentile max EV last year. And uh, again, going really late, the launch angle is the biggest thing just because the launch angle has been down. So if he could start like, you know, raising his launch angle up again, hitting the ball in the air a little bit more, we could see some type of bounce back from him or maybe he just changes teams and he rediscovers it. So him going the latest of the three and then seeming like there's the easiest tweak he could make uh, where he could change to look like what he did a few years ago. He's probably the one I would look at the most. Yeah, I'm kind of with you on that. Gallo, I just want nothing to do with at all. Yeah. Kirilov, I was with you too. I, I wanted, liked him so much last year, but how mm-hmm. many wrist injuries is too many wrist injuries is the question. Um, he, he's one of those like, you need to show me you're healthy. Like, I'll just take the yep. L on this if, if you do Agreed. it. So I, I'm with you on the Kepler one too. Like, He's been a guy I've streamed from time to time. The talent's there. It's just mm-hmm. uh, putting it back together, like you said. The last hitter I'm going to ask you about is uh, Royce Lewis. Um, uber talented. We saw him briefly last year. Looked really good for moments when we saw him. Then they decided to play a shortstop in center field. And he, maybe it's just a center field thing in Minnesota. Buxton, Lewis, like they yep. all have injuries out there. You know, he has to have the ACL surgery or whatever it was in the knee. Um, still should be back rather early in the season. There's rumors maybe even before the season starts. Who knows? How does that kind of weigh into drafting for fantasy for you and kind of an outlook on the team and a fantasy perspective? Because it's going to hurt somebody, obviously. Yeah, I mean, he showed that he had the talent last year. Looked like he was going to be almost like a league winner with how he just kind of burst on the scene last year. Uh, I've seen various reports, some, like you said, potentially by the season start. I've seen others that have said that he might not return for a month or two in the season. I think it's, it's kind of all over the place with him. And with Carlos Correa entrenched at shortstop now, at least for this season, um, you know, Jose Miranda plays third base. And I'm kind of wondering with that, with having him having two ACL surgeries, like, are they going to put him back in the outfield? 
like that, like if they put him back in the outfield, I'm going to be even more nervous because that's the last position he should be playing coming off these injuries. I think for redraft purposes, I'll take the L if he turns into something this year. I think long-term there's still value there, but this year, just the uncertainty with his health, his position, and just him coming back and just finding his rhythm again, I'm out on him this year. Yeah. With, with Lewis potential return, it feels like it's him at short. Correa goes to third because what Correa wants, which moves Miranda back to first, which was where he was before, which makes Luis Arise and Max Kepler for Pablo Lopez feel pretty darn doable <laughs> uh, in that whole grand scheme of things. Not to yeah. try to rub it in, but it just seems like it's yeah. like it, it puts it together so easily with all the because they have so much depth there now, and it just it's a weird set of depth for the Minnesota Twins. Uh, let's leave the hitters. Unless are there any other hitters that stand out to you for any fantasy purposes this year in Minnesota? I think we hit most of them. I think we pretty much hit all of them. Okay. Kyle Farmer's there is also a depth piece. Uh, I don't, yeah. he's not going to play a lot unless there's injuries and maybe you can stream him if he gets in the starting lineup because of injuries and they're playing at Colorado or something, but yeah, not, not like for drafting. Let's go to the pitchers here. We have starters, we have relievers. I'll just kind of go down the list here, but um, or let's just, let's just group it together here. Bullpen. Johan Duran seems to be the man. We know how good he is, was last year. There's, Lots to like about him. He's being drafted right now as the guy at pick around 126. Yeah, Jorge Lopez, who was great with Baltimore, got mm-hmm. traded over, couldn't figure it out as much in Minnesota. He's going at 247, so 120 picks later than Duran. When you look at that bullpen, are you Team Duran, it's his job, or is there something about maybe taking a chance on Lopez that uh, seems appealing to you right now? Duran, which well, let's like preface this, I think the twins are doing what a lot of other teams are starting to do and their best pitcher isn't necessarily your closer. And that's, I think the case with the twins and Johan Duran, he's the best pitcher in this bullpen. There's no question about it. If you look at his stack cast page, you need sunglasses because there's so much bright red there. 89 strikeouts and 67.2 innings, a one eight six ERA 0.98 whip. Uh, he's going to be the fireman for this team. He's going to be the guy pitching the ninth. If the three, four and five are coming in, uh, you know, or, you know, if, if they're in the eighth, he'll come in the eighth. Uh, this is that's kind of his role right now for this team. And I don't see that changing too much Jorge Lopez. I do think it's the first crack again at this closer job. And if he does well, I think he'll hold on to it pretty much most of the season. It's interesting. You look at the strikeouts. Once he went to Minnesota down 28% to 16% from when he was in Baltimore, the walk rate went up batting average went up the hard hit balls, exit velocity went up. And there were some rumors that the twins were tinkering with his in terms of the offerings in terms of, that they were trying to have him throw more bake, uh, breaking balls rather than his 97 mile per hour nasty sinker. But the data actually shows that it was about 50% with both teams. But the big difference was that his sinker with two strikes with Minnesota went down from 47% to 40%. So hopefully that's something the analytics department, the, the pitching staff, all that them look at and realize with two strikes, he has to go to his big money pitch. He has to go to his power sinker. I do think that there's a good chance that he could rebound from that last year, his bad little end of the season with the twins. And I believe that he also had some personal stuff going on with his family too around that time. So I, I think the fact that you can get Jorge Lopez over a hundred picks after I'm going to be drafting a lot more Jorge Lopez than uh, Johan Duran this year. I like it. I like it. It's going on in a, a limb there, but you get the definite value. And it's a great point you make because Baldelli loves to do the committee or the, um, the leverage pitching He's yeah. a big, big fan that we've seen in the past with even some of the other closers, like he'll throw him for two innings and let them do their thing. And you won't see him for a couple of days. Like 
he doesn't care as much about the closer. And you, and you mentioned a lot of teams are going that way because it's actually the right baseball thing to do. They don't care about our fantasy team. So that, that's a very good good point. And you get 120 pick difference. That could be a nice little later round uh, a gift there. Is there anything anybody else in the bullpen that stands out as a guy to maybe keep an eye on? So, you know, you got Griffin Jacks, who some are pretty high yep. on, was once a pitcher, but now or a starter, but now he's in the bullpen, might be a better spot for him. Uh, Caleb Thielbar is a strikeout machine yeah. um would there be anybody else you kind of look at in the back end like late late maybe in a draft and hold griffin jacks is the guy uh i'll be drafting a lot of griffin jacks this year you, you touched on it used to be a starter really is honed in on his slider 48 percent of the time last year with a 194 xba and a 36 percent whiff rate but one thing that he's been doing this offseason is he actually went the magic word driveline baseball yeah. and He's really, it seems like it's in the early stages, just is really starting to pay off for him. Um, he's been working with plyo ball, plyo care balls, and they said he hit 99.8 miles per hour on one of his throws with the plyo care balls. Keep in mind, his velocity last year was 95.4. So the fact that he could increase his fastball velocity to make that a harder pitch, along with that devastating slider, I would not be surprised if by the end of the season, whether it's injury to Lopez or Lopez isn't effective, if Griffin Jacks steps into the closer role and gets more saves than Johan Duran does. So Griffin Jacks is somebody, if you're looking for closer speculation, he's a great guy to grab at the end of your drafts. If you're in a DC 50, he's someone you got to draft a uh, draft on your teams at the end, just for the chance that he commits a bunch of saves for you. He's, I think the best bullpen arm. That's not the first two guys we talked about and he could get, thrust into you know 15 to 20 saves in the right situation so he's the guy i would look at outstanding outstanding griffin jack's time let's talk starting pitching with the minnesota twins and you know i've always made fun of the twins in the past because their rotation just usually complete yeah outside of <laughs> like one guy um i was like you got this team it's so close and you just can't at least looking now it's like they're serviceable pitchers they're guys you could see at least not being just complete gas cans and we'll start at the top with your your best of the best here, and that's Joe Ryan. We um, you know, high hopes for the young arm. He kind of got a a better glimpse last year of of a run in the bigs, making um twenty seven starts, obviously the most in his his career, and overall it's pretty darn good. So, what are we expecting from Joe Ryan going into twenty twenty three? I mean, Joe Ryan to me is is a jag. Like he's just a guy. Pre All Star break two nine nine ERA, post All Star break four fourteen, uh, WHIP went up much better at home on the road like most pitchers that aren't in like like pitcher or homer ballparks era drastically goes up once he's seen once through the order uh not an overpowering pitcher he kind of relies on more of deception i think than anything he's he's fine you know going to pick 143 i think it's interesting there's a lot of players that go around him that are appealing like you can get uh, jesus lazardo as the pitcher right before him freddie peralta goes right before him you can get lucas giolito right after him like I don't know about you, Bubba, but those upsides that those guys yep. possess, I think, are a lot greater than what Joe Ryan gives you. So I would rather take a chance on those guys than him. No, that's a great point because Joe Ryan, yeah, we've kind of seen who – well, there's always a chance for development elsewhere, but we kind of see yeah. who he is, like you're saying. So uh, I'm with you on that. Like, I'd even be willing to, like, get Chris Bassett later on or mm -hmm. something and know what we get out of that. Um, so, yeah, it's it's I probably won't have a whole lot of Joe Ryan, who was, like, one of the talks of the town last year. Yeah, Everyone wanted Joe Ryan. Um, and maybe that's my detriment. Maybe it's just now the time to get Joe Ryan. We'll see. But, um, yeah, I'm kind of with you. He seems just like a guy. the second half did not overwhelm me for the development process with with Joe Ryan at all. Talking about second half, we have Sonny Gray, who um, it was quite a weird year for Sonny Gray. Ratios were pretty good. 
couldn't strike out anybody. It was a, an overall weird season for Sonny Gray's first season with the Twins. Uh, but it feels like to me, maybe I'm just overthinking it, at an ADP on 215, this seems like a guy that's worth taking a chance on at this point mm-hmm. in time. But what's your thoughts on Sonny Gray? I'm with you. I think out of all the the Twins pitchers, he's probably the one I'll draft the most of. A 308 ERA, 119.2 innings this year. I think he is, even though Joe Ryan's technically the ace of the staff, I think he is the ace of the staff. He has to play against the Tigers and the Royals a lot, like most of these Twins pitchers. But if you take out, I mean, he had two blow-up games in July where he gave up combined 11 earned runs. But outside of that, didn't really, was pretty steady most of the season. I, I think where you're getting him, he's a great, you know, fifth pitcher to your rotation not going to be somebody that's sexy or give you a ton of strikeouts but probably give you like a, a k per nine and give you like a three era and give you potentially you know 10 to 12 wins so i i think he's fine too like I, he's he's a lot better at his adp than joe ryan is so I, I think i'm with you he's probably somebody that i think with that draft value like i'll, I'll definitely be drafting him and then the other three in the rotation you have bailey ober tyler Molle, and kenta maeda they're all going around like 250 to 330. So they're all later picks, maybe streamable picks throughout the season. Um, are there any of these guys that are, you could talk about all of them if you want, but uh, is there anything that stands out with these guys that maybe makes them more fancy interesting to you this year? I mean, Kenta Maeda, first year back from Tommy John, probably more of a waiver wire guy I'll look at. I don't think I'll draft him too much. Tyler Molly just signed a, a one year, seven and a half million dollar deal to avoid arbitration. But he had shoulder problems last year. Only pitched 16 innings for the Twins with a 4.40 ERA. Anytime I see shoulder problems, that scares me. I'm not going to be drafting him. I, I, I'm worried about his health. Probably the most appealing one is Bailey Ober, 4.19 ERA across 92.1 innings last year. He'll he'll have some starts that he looks great, and other starts where he looks like Bailey Ober. So <laughs> I'm probably, if I'm going to draft again from these three, I'll probably be Ober. But he's not like a I got to have him type of guy. He's like you know what, I could use him as my seventh starter, eighth starter for innings. If someone gets hurt, I can plug him in in the right matchups. He's the healthiest arm of the three and the one I probably would trust the most for my fantasy team. All right, that works for me. Yeah, Molly, I, I used to have high hopes for him, but you mentioned that you start talking shoulders and we start talking mm-hmm. problems. So um, I, I'm not a fan of that at all. And Maeda is interesting, but you know, like you said, first year off of Tommy John, you, sometimes it takes a while to get that velocity yep. going, but all it takes is a couple good bullpen sessions on video and spring training. And all of a sudden, <laughs> ah, Kent is back. Yeah. Cause you know, back in the day, we'd be talking about him in like that Joe Ryan range, probably, or at least Sonny yep. Gray range. So he's interesting, interesting, but I don't yep. know how much I'm, I'm in love with it at all. Uh, any other pitchers that you think you could be sneaky sometime this year? Like those are the starters for now, but is there anything, anybody on your radar? Like some teams have six and seven starters. So anything else with the Twins? I mean, not really on like their major league roster. They don't really have any of the guys that are going to come in there and, and take the job. I mean, I know we'll be talking about some potential players that could be called up this year. Jordan uh, Balzovich might, you know, get a chance to to be like a long man if and in the best case scenario for them. But uh, no, there's not like any starting p- uh, pitcher potential candidates, I think, right now on this roster that I could see being fantasy relevant. All right, then let's talk some minor league guys. Like, it's crazy to think that Trevor Larnick is technically in the minors still. Yeah. Little, like, I know it's been a, a rocky go for him, but he's still in the minor leagues. Um, you know, Austin Martin had a great AFL. We got to see it there. Everyone was raving about him. Again, kind of crowded in the infield these days in Minnesota. So are there any prospects to, like, either take lates and drafts or if you're playing in dynasty leagues or whatever that, that could pique your interest with Minnesota right now? 
Edward Julian's a big one. I know we saw him at the Arizona Fall League, Bubba. He was mm-hmm. the only one hitting opposite field home runs when they uh, were doing the home run derby. But he's somebody that I think is really interesting. 113 games at double, had a 300 batting average, 19 doubles, three triples, 17 home runs. I don't think like there's a ton of power that where he's going to be like, a, you know, a, a 30 home run player or anything like that at the big leagues, but he's someone that should hit the top of the order. He'd be the guy if the twins played trade Luis arise that I think would potentially make the dump, the jump from double a to get a shot at the big leagues this year. Cause he's a very similar player profile in terms of low strikeouts, high batting average type of player. They could plug in at the middle infield at second base. So I think he's definitely somebody that's very intriguing there. Uh, Simeon Woods Richardson, is another player who was part of the Jose Barrios trade, 107 in the third innings last year, a 2.93 ERA. He's not anything special. Uh, he was the the Twins' highest ranked pitching prospect at, at one point, and you know maybe he he might be a guy that like, hey, there's an injury to the pitching staff. Simeon Woods Richardson gets the call to uh, you know to pitch two games while someone's on the IL. You know he's he's not like anybody I think is going to be a league winner. Uh, the two players I think this year that might make the biggest impact is Louis Varland, who is the first back-to-back Twins minor league pitcher of the year since Jose Barrios. 24 minor league appearances last year, a 306 ERA, 10.4K per nine. He's supposed to start the year in AAA, but he would be the guy I think would be first called up in terms of if there is actually an injury to that rotation or if he were to pitch really well in spring training. I think he could be the guy. Uh, nasty stuff. Again, he has to take care of his walks. He had a 126 whip last year. So that's his biggest bugaboo. Ultimately, I think the guy that you might see most this year is Matt Walner, who is right now the number one prospect for the twins. And this is a guy that actually was ranked behind like Alex Kirilov and Trevor Larnack, but he, he's got so much power. Uh, and he does have a lot of strikeouts too. 37% strikeout rate in the minor leagues, which is not good. But 35 doubles and 29 home runs combined across three levels last year. Uh, he might be the first guy if there's like outfield injuries and they trade, you know, some of their depth that could get a chance. But again, it could could it be like another Miguel Sano type of thing where it's like homer or strikeout? Yes. So um, those are the most intriguing guys, I think, that have a chance to be an impact for the team this coming season. Uh, but injuries will be, I think, the the biggest question for that because they're not like there's not any slam dunk. These guys are going to come in first month or two of the season and be impact players. I think these are guys that with injuries and maybe best case scenario, they're contributors, but not slam dunks by any means. Gotcha. No, that's a good list. And some interesting names there that I have not heard talked about a ton. I'm not the biggest prospect guru in the world, but definitely some nice gems in there that could uh, sneak up. And we've seen more and more teams not be afraid to call up guys lately, especially mm-hmm. like the pitchers part, uh, you know, guys get injured. We're going to give our top dogs a shot instead of, you know, bring in this guy that's been a journeyman forever to start for a couple starts. So I think that's a, some really good calls on some of those to keep an eye on. And I know I've got some AL only and NL only listeners that like that kind of those kind of goodies. So that's a, uh, much, much appreciated, my friend. Um, before we wrap up here with the Twins preview, which has been awesome, a lot of great stuff here. Um, what are your final thoughts? Like, do you have any predictions or thoughts on the Twins this year? I know we started <laughs> out the show saying how like they basically torture you and and all these things, but it still is the AL Central. And I know, yeah. like you know, the White Sox should be better than last year. Cleveland still has a pretty darn good team. I think they're running away make, with it. Yeah, as much as we want to make fun of the way they spend their money, still a pretty good baseball team they got going on over there. So you think it's the it's the Guardians the way to go, or do the Twins kind of surprise people like they've done before? 
I think the guard, I love so much about the guardians this year. Tristan yeah. McKenzie is one of, I think he's going to be a top 12 starter this year. Oscar Gonzalez is one of my favorite uh, hitters that I'm going to be trying to draft everywhere. The guardians are just doing it right. And they're, they're really stockpiling a bunch of talent. I mean, Gavin Williams, a pitcher that's supposed to be coming up soon. Daniel Espino. I think it's the guardians and the white Sox make the playoffs. I think the white Sox take a, another leap with new face, a uh, new manager in place. And I think, you know, Eloy DHing. I think the twins are going to be fighting with the Royals for third because the Royals, I think will, will be close to a 500 team too. Um, I don't see anything for the twins. This pitching staff is meh. The hitting is decent. Uh, bullpen is okay. Uh, I think they're, they're like a 500 ish team. And that that's kind of at this point with the, with the current roster that they have, that's kind of, I think, what most people would probably expect, uh, especially with the, the two other teams in their division that seem just so much better on paper than them. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. The, the only way I think they shocked the world is if somehow Buxton stays healthy. Yeah. And you get like Miranda taking that next step and going from there. But uh, they're, I want to say they're close, but you know, they still got to make a few more moves too. So, well, you know, what's funny is like, I know this is like a baseball podcast, but like the Minnesota Vikings this year play in yep. the same state. They were 11 and 0 in one score games this year and then yeah. lost in the playoffs. The one time they yeah. lost a one score game, I could see the twins being a type of team that, uh, and the Vikings run different, or they actually had a negative differential in terms of points scored to points allowed. I could see the twins being in the best case scenario, that type of thing where they're winning, you know, nine to eight or they're winning three to two and just kind of best case scenario. They're winning a lot of those types of games. And you look at their differential and it's one of those that's like they shouldn't be where they are and they're exceeding expectations. And if the best case scenario, they they get a wild card spot that they're just blown away in the playoffs like every year with them. So like that, I think that's their best case scenario. That's how the Giants were a couple of years ago. Trust me, because uh, they weren't <laughs> supposed to be winning and they were winning all the close games. And it was like, yep. this is ridiculous. I'm like, yeah, I agree. And, um, you know, they gave the Dodgers a fight, but they shouldn't have been there either. It was one of those things like that team was not meant to be in the postseason. So. I get it. I get it. But we'll see. We'll see how it goes. It is still only mid-January. We'll have uh, a lot more you know, trades and fun stuff to talk about as the, the preseason goes on and draft season wraps, uh, keeps cranking up. And you guys got something going on at Triple Play Fantasy. Why don't you, guys, why don't you talk about the, the players' ball coming on back? That's right. We got the Triple Players' ball. If you ever watched the Chappelle show from the yep. Player Haters' ball, oh, yep. we have the patented Golden Cleats trophy that our buddy Tambo took home last year. We had, I think, 45 people compete last year across three leagues. We're hoping to do even more people this year. $50 buy-in. It's a DC 50, 15-teamer. If you would like to to join the league, you can message me on Twitter at dmendio2. Uh, that's, to be honest, like that's the league we really want to just get bumping this year. Yeah. And uh, it, it was fun last year. I, uh, I think I started out as like the last five or 10 teams, and then I crept up to finish number four last year. Nice. So it, it's fun, man. It's it's. Yeah, if you're looking just to have a little bit of fun, get a trophy with your name uh, engraved in it at the end. It's uh, it's a fun little thing to chase there. And, of course, the bragging rights, too. So Triple Players Ball, if you guys are interested, just send me a message on Twitter. Good people at Triple Play Fantasy. I like uh, messing around with them because they're good, good people. Known them for a little while now and uh, watched them from their infancy make the rise up the ranks. So it's fun to watch them. Make sure you check out Mindy Triple Play Fantasy, the 33rd team football where he's crushing player props as well. I've been seeing that tweeted out there. Uh, fantasy pros, fan tracks, all the good stuff you mentioned, and on Twitter at dmindy02. Thanks for joining me, my friend. Always a pleasure chatting with you. Bubba, it's pleasure's always mine. Always great catching up with you. You're one of the OGs and one of uh, the best 
friends I've made in this uh, baseball world. So always appreciate being on with you, my friend. Yep. And we'll do it again sooner than later, as always. And just remember, tell your brother, I'm gunning for him right now because <laughs> he got me on the last game. So just remind him of that. And little cheesecake, always sending the love of triple play. Oh, and you got Marty now. Marty's there Marty too. Party. So yeah, Marty party is a, is a party. So, so no <laughs> doubt about that. But uh, we'll wrap it up there. Check out Mindy again on Twitter at Mindy, uh, DMindy02. This was Bench with Bubba, your Minnesota Twins season preview. Catch you guys next time. <laughs>